Hi guys and welcome back to Paranormal Hotline. My name's Kaylee and I'm joined by Michael. Hello. I also wanted to give a warm welcome to any of our new listeners. So we've been getting a ton of new views and I hope you guys are enjoying the show. So anyway, uh, in this week's episode, I wanted to cover what has been dubbed as the most cursed item in the world. My life. I was going to say second only to Michael's search history. No, no. I don't look for many weird things. I see enough I on my day that. to day. I doubt it. <laughs> um, you know for a fact I see weird shit in my day to day life. <laughs> I don't need to look up anything. <laughs> Most of my weird search histories because of you. It's like, what was it you said yesterday and I had to Google it? You said something and I had to Google it and I really regretted it. What was it? Oh, I don't know, but I remember being like, I'm going to have a brat bottom. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know what that was. I was like, I'm going to Google this. And then when I was done Googling it, I don't think I answered you for like 20 minutes. Um, So, Michael, what do you know about the Zivic box? Uh, It's cursed. (laughs) Okay, yeah, that's a good start. So to describe the Dybbuk box, because I can't send you any pictures because apparently pictures of the Dybbuk box are also cursed. So I'll describe it to you. I'm Googling it. You can Google it if you want, but then your search history will most definitely be cursed. So to describe the Dybbuk box, it's like a small uh, wine cabinet. So literally like a cabinet that you can open and close the two doors. That's what it is. And I think there's a little shelf in the bottom that you can pull out. Um, But that's what the original box was designed for. It's said to be haunted by a dibbuk, which is the Yiddish word for a malicious spirit. So it's a it's a Jewish malicious spirit is what a, a dibbuk is. That's not actually the... Because I thought dibbuk box was like what you'd call the wine box. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think that dibbuk is like actually the spirit or whatever that's in it. But apparently uh, the dibbuk is just a, a malicious spirit and that's why it's called the dibbuk box. The box originates from a woman who escaped the Holocaust in Poland by fleeing to Spain. Uh, not much is really known about this woman or how she like came to have a demon trapped in the wine box. Like, I really want to hear that story. Uh, but she kept the box and never opened it. So it was like the demon was sealed inside of the box. And it kind of got passed down to families until it got down to her great-granddaughter. So I have a theory about how it got in the box. <laughs> What's your theory? I'm thinking it's a bit of a mix between the devil went down to Georgia and... Oh, what's it called? Hansel and Grell. It's just like, I bet you I can drink more wine than you. Oh no, reach into the back of the cupboard there and get more. No, it's further <laughs> in and then just push it in and lock the door. I feel like they should be able to come through wood, but maybe there was like some sort of spell put on it to stop it from getting out. I don't know, but it was never opened. They would never open this it box. It could have been for communion wine. I don't think so. I don't think that's part of the Jewish practice. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Uh, a man named Kevin Manis, who was a writer and he was a furniture furniture refinisher, bought the box from an estate sale. And this is the part where everybody hates this man. So he bought this from the great-granddaughter of the woman who brought it over from Poland down to Spain. And he was aware that the box had never been opened and that it was supposed to be cursed and that it was a haunted and evil spirit. Um, so, you know, what does he do? He opens the box. Because of course he does. I would. <laughs> would you really? Yeah, why not? I don't think I'd buy it in the first place. Like, this guy had an antique store, so he kind of, I don't know, I would sell it on as a cursed object. I don't think I would open it. <laughs> you were meant to be, like, a paranormal investigator, and your thing is, no, if that's cursed, I don't want to look inside. Why chance it, though? What's the reward? <laughs> you know? No, like, you know for a fact. Peace of mind. <laughs> sure. Anyway, this is what he found inside of the box. So, the contents of the box were two 1920s pennies, a lock of blonde hair with a cord around it, a lock of black or brown hair bound with another cord, a small statue engraved with the Hebrew word shalom, a 
small golden wine goblet, one dried rosebud, and a single candle with, with like, metal octopus legs attached to the bottom base, whatever you... What do you call them? Candle holders? That thing. Yeah, a candlestick. Yes, the very same. (laughs) Uh, I don't know, it sounds pretty cursed to me. (laughs) You'd be shit at Clue. I'm really good at Clue, because I just chance it, and I always end up guessing something right. It's great. It was, what was it, the professor in the library with the candle thing. So Kevin owned an antique, antique shop, like I said, and he had the box in the shop, and immediately strange stuff started to happen. People would see shadow figures and stuff around the shop. One night, while Kevin was out of the shop and he had an employee in the shop, he got a phone call from the employee. She said that she could hear someone moving down in the basement and that she was terrified and that there was a smell of cat urine in the whole shop. So Kevin gets to the shop as fast as he can because as far as he's aware, like this could just be a break-in. This could be someone who just got into the basement. So he arrives at the shop and the employee is terrified. Like She's crouched down behind the counter. All the lights are off. And when the employee sees him, she like immediately makes a run out of the store. The lights, as it turns out, were actually all burnt out. Every single bulb in the place was burnt out. And at this stage, the Dybbuk box had actually been in the basement. And when Kevin went down there, there was just this incredible smell of cat urine, despite no cats being down there. He had it in his house then at one stage, and he experienced similar things. He saw shadow figures. He had nightmares. He would smell the cat urine constantly, despite having no pets at all. And you know, it's a very distinct smell. Yeah, it's like pneumonia and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting. So shortly after this all happened, Kevin's kind of freaked out with the box, and he decides that the best thing to do with the box was to give it to his mother as a birthday gift. Legend. (laughs) Class, class guy, like, what an asshole. So he brings her over to the shop, and he gives her this gift in the shop, and then he goes down to the basement to get something. And she says that, she wasn't told that it was it was a cursed box. It still had all the contents still in it. So she opens the little doors on the box and she said, she, she described it as a cold breeze drifting out of the box. And she said that she just felt pure evil, like a sense of evil coming from this box. And then she immediately had a stroke. And when you have a stroke, you know, you can't really call out or anything. So Kevin eventually did come back up and call for help and his mother did survive. Uh, but she couldn't talk or write for a long time. She couldn't even tell Kevin that she thought the box was evil. She did at some stage manage to spell out a sentence by pointing to the letters and she spelled out hate present. <laughs> <laughs> she reckons that like they, she actually did like something evil came out of the box and it caused her to have a stroke because it was immediately after she opened it, which I, it is a bit strange. Like it's a bit weird. So Kevin didn't get rid of the box. He actually kept it for a little bit and some really strange paranormal stuff would still happen to him. So he would, yeah, like I said, constantly have this reoccurring nightmare involving an old hag. I couldn't really find the details of this nightmare, um, but apparently this old hag used to like come after him in his dreams or whatever. He would completely have this same reoccurring dream over and over. It was probably his mother trying to give back the shitty present. (laughs) Probably. But she was still alive. What's she doing in his dreams? And he would still smell the cat urine and stuff like that. And he would also notice shadow figures and stuff around his home. It's, it's pretty terrifying. I just don't think he should have opened it. I don't know. Like, if I had something like that and someone kept saying to me, it's cursed, it's cursed, it's evil and it's cursed, I'd start fucking licking it and doing everything just to, like, piss it off. Yeah, you'd be dead. You'd have, you'd have had three or four strokes and be dead. But at least I'd know. Imagine <laughs> if he just, like, coated it. Like, I think it's just covered in, like, asbestos or something. <laughs> 
Um, but anyone who was staying at his home would also have the same nightmares about the hag that Kevin would have. So it, was, it wasn't just him. It was his siblings or anyone who stayed over the night would experience the same dream, the exact same one. So within a year, Kevin decided to sell the Dybbuk box on eBay. Um, also, a quick side note. Did you know that you're not allowed to sell haunted objects on eBay anymore? Yeah, I know. I've tried to buy some. <laughs> what a strange rule. It's because I think it's technically like a religious thing. I don't know. I'd say it's more like a scam thing. Like it can thing. offend religious people. Yeah. I'd say it's more like a scam because like, uh, you know, you could be selling a haunted doll for $500. And, I mean, who's to guarantee that, you know? Yeah, there's no way to verify it. It's like you can't bring it to an appraiser and be like, how much is this worth? And they're like, uh, this is just a gin. You'll barely get a tuppence for it. <laughs> that would be great. But yeah, it's completely banned on eBay, which I thought was crazy. The box kind of got passed around a lot and it didn't stay with one owner for very long. But one of the owners that of it, one of the first people to purchase it was a college student who experienced the same thing as Kevin. Like he had nightmares of the old hag, the smell of cat pee was around it, And he would also complain that the Dybbuk box would be covered in bugs. And he actually blames it for his hair loss. <laughs> and in his house as well, the light bulbs would also burn out. It's like all the light bulbs would just burn out in his house. So he very quickly got rid of it too. I cannot imagine a Dybbuk box in the hands of a college student. <laughs> you would take the to... shots out of that thing and everything, right? Yeah. Here, lads, watch this party trick. Boom, uh. someone strokes. <laughs> <laughs> someone strokes? Yeah, just open the door immediately. Someone has a stroke, close door. It's like a Russian for a round of applause. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Do you know, I have a question about things attacking people in their dreams like Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Actually, I'm pretty sure. I haven't seen all the Nightmare on Elm Street, but I'm pretty sure the fourth one is about what I'm on about. I have lucid dreams, right? And I know other people who have them as well. Yeah. What if something tried to scare me in my dream and it was a lucid dream? Could I not just beat the shit out of it? Yeah, you probably could. More people need to try that. <laughs> you need to try it. I'm not cursed. We could, we can fix that. I live a cursed life, just not like that. <laughs> Eventually, a man named Jason Haxton bought the box when it went up on auction on eBay. Uh, he placed the winning bid of $280 in an eBay auction, intending to give the box to a friend, an illusionist, who wanted to use it for his act, but his friend refused to take it. So he bought it as a gift again. <laughs> this friend was like, no, thanks. I know what happened to the last person who accepted this as a gift. Yeah, so this is Jason Haxton's account of what happened after he received the box in the mail. I just want to point out one more thing. I'm loving all the names here. Mr. Manis, Mr. Haxon. <laughs> so this is an account of what happened when he received the box in the mail. So the day it arrived, I put my hands on it and it almost felt like the thing collapsed into a liquid state. I feel like a knife is coming into my gut. I'm paralyzed in pain. When I go to bed, I have terrible dreams of a hag that seems to come with the box. I didn't think it was possible. I was too science-based. All I knew was I got this thing and I got very ill. I didn't know what happened. I still don't know. So this guy was very like rational about the whole thing. He was very scientifically minded approaching it uh, and he had it tested. So he went and actually brought the tech box to get tested for mercury or even biohazards or anything. That's exactly in it. what I meant. Yeah. Uh, but the tests all came up negative and he interviewed previous owners of the box and like researched Dybbuk's and stuff. So he also he spoke to a rabbi and a scientist who advised the same thing on how to proceed with the Dybbuk box. Burn it. And that was to put the box into a wooden container lined with gold to neutralize its destructive forces, be it an evil spirit or an electromagnetic field. I don't understand how it would have an electromagnetic field. Doesn't it have to have electricity to have that? Well, maybe, but like there's bits of metal. Like I'm looking at pictures of it now. There is bits of metal and shit on it. You could get like a static charge. Yeah, but is an electromagnetic field? Yeah, I suppose. But I mean, like one strong enough to make people hallucinate. He went and got this box and he... Um, 
It was actually a military-grade shockproof container that he'd lined with gold, and he buried it where no one could ever find it. It's safe, he said. Thousands of people are begging to take it off my hands at any price, but it's not ethical for me to sell it. It's not for sale. <laughs> and that's the end of the story. What? So he has it buried somewhere. What's... why? So it doesn't harm anyone. No, that's not really the end of the story. <laughs> he did bury it. But then he actually dug up the box. And he retrieved it from its burial site for a special appearance on a TV series, Deadly Possessions. So this is, you know, this is an account from, uh, from our beloved Zach Baggins. <laughs> he's going to listen to this podcast someday and he's going to fucking hate us. <laughs> I don't care. Like, I really want to find something haunted. And if I did, I'd immediately, yeah, I'd try to destroy it. But not until I let everybody see exactly how haunted it was. <laughs> uh, well, this one's actually like, not too bad. Um, I'd be like that guy from that thing. Remember I showed you in the 80s, the BBC put on a fake oh, yeah. haunting. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, you've created a nationwide seance. That's what I want to do. <laughs> And everyone watching the BBC was saying a prayer at the same time to stop these demons from killing children. <laughs> and they got like hundreds of complaints. <laughs> it was great. But, um, so this is Zach Baggins' account of what happened afterwards. So I arranged to have the box placed in a containment room so that Kevin Manis, the previous owner, could confront his fears about the box. And when he opened it, he found the contents were intact. So all the contents were still inside, which is amazing to me, seeing that it's gone through the hands of a college student. <laughs> of yeah, course, somebody like, didn't uh, eat that flower or something, you know? Yeah, the ones I know definitely would have just used it, like, the snort, snort out of. Yeah. Um, also, why would you open it again? It, like, your man sealed it and had it properly sealed by a rabbi, and there was no problems with it anymore, and then they went and fucking opened it again. So when Kevin opened the box, the lights in the building started to flash. Strange sounds were heard, and... The strangest of all, Kevin turned to face a wall and he got a very weird expression on his face. His voice changed and he started to recite a story about a shadow man. Then he started speaking in tongues and making bizarre whistling sounds. He was sweating profusely and began to <laughs> cough uncontrollably. Sorry, I was just laughing there. Like he started to whistle. Yeah. What's a, what is a bizarre whistling sound? What would you describe that as? <laughs> so Zach Baggins continues then. I purchased the Dybbuk box from Jason Haxton and placed it on display at the Haunted Museum. So he's a haunted museum in Las Vegas, and he wanted to put it on display there. Because of the sinister nature of the box, only visitors over the age of 18 who had signed a waiver are allowed to see it. So you have to sign a waiver before you're allowed to look at this box. I will give him credit there. That's a good idea. I don't think... I mean, like, if you went to a court and said, Zach Baggins Dybbuk box made me have a stroke, I think the court will laugh you out, you know? Yeah, that's true. During the time it has been on display, there have been people who have fainted, become dizzy, or even sick. Now, I, I, I do want to discredit he, discredit that a little. They're Fine. in Las Vegas, where everyone is fucked up. <laughs> yeah, and it's also extremely hot. Hot. <laughs> and in dry. In a dark room <laughs> that's carpeted. I've seen the pictures. <laughs> uh, visitors have also witnessed a shadowy cloaked figure that has been seen passing directly through the closed doors of the room where it is on display. So people have seen like a shadowy figure walking back and forth. And one of the tour guides has had her face shoved into the case that holds the box by an unseen force. That would freak me out. Mainly because, do you know um, how many people have probably touched that glass and then you've got a ghost shoving your face into this bacteria? That's what I was about to say. That would bother me more, especially nowadays. <laughs> like, that's just rude. 
Yeah, but in 2008, so this is Zach Baggins again, his account. In 2018, my friend, singer-songwriter Post Malone, visited the haunted museum. During this visit, we were together in the Dybbuk box room and both heard the unmistakable sound of a little girl's voice. Moments later, something began to affect us. This sensation prompted me to remove the protective case from the box. So something possessed Zach Baggins and he was like, oh, I better take the case off this box. Yeah, it was his quest <laughs> for clout. Uh, something was telling me to open the box and after a very tense moment between Post and myself, I touched the box. I began to panic and to scream, cry and hyperventilate. Concerned, Post reached out and touched my shoulder. When he did, I felt something pass through my body. When we left the museum, Post saw the dark, shadowy figure that so many people have encountered follow us out. The next day, he sent me a photo of a mysterious bruise that had appeared on his arm. After his visit, he was involved in an emergency landing in a private jet, his car was involved in an accident, and an armed robbery targeted a home in San Francisco that they believed to be his. So robbers actually went into this home. He'd only moved out with this house recently. And armed robbers went into this house looking for Post Malone. Even the people that were in there, they asked the robbers asked them, where is Post Malone? But Post Malone ain't home. <laughs> it just sounds like he, they gave him a bit of luck, if anything. Yeah, that's true. Actually, he survived all this stuff. Uh, and the car crash was pretty deadly as well. It was like, literally, his car was teed by another car. I just don't understand why... Like, it... He said that he started to like panic and scream, cry and hyperventilate. Now, I've seen the video of him touching that box and Post Malone grabbing him. So if he'd managed to do all of that in the space of one and a half seconds, fair play to him. Well, according to him... Because when Post Malone grabs him, he had le he lets go of the box as Post Malone grabs him. So... Bit strange. Now, Bit if strange. it was Post Malone who grabbed it and started to scream and cry and everything, that'd be... I'd take that more at his word. <laughs> That's true. I probably would too. So on Halloween in 2018, uh... Ghost Adventures aired a live episode from the Haunted Museum. Uh, this is another account from Zach Baggins. During the time that I'd owned the box, I had been too cautious to open it because of events that had transpired with it in the past. I had planned to open the box on live television, but in the end, I did not. I am a very empathic person, and the many cases that I have been involved with, my body has become sort of a tuned instrument when it comes to the paranormal. <laughs> I'm putting that in my Tinder bio. My body has become sort of a tuned instrument to the paranormal. <laughs> What's that mean? I think that means he thinks of himself as a giant dowsing rod. Do you think it's like somebody who eats spicy food all the time and they can just handle more spice? Maybe. He's like, I got possessed so much that I can just deal with it. <laughs> I've got possessed so much there's a fucking flat in my brain. <laughs> Um, I believe that the Dybbuk box was aware that we were on live television that night. <laughs> it had no interest in performing. It does things on its schedule, in its own time, not according to our clock. I felt as though the energy in that room started peaking. It was overwhelming. I could feel that something very bad would have happened if I had opened that box. But that's what you want to happen. Exactly, especially on live TV. Now you look like an ass. <laughs> you know exactly what I would have been like. I would have been like, uh, little bitch box can't do shit. 
The bitch box. <laughs> the box would have sprouted legs and arms, stood up and knocked you out. Yeah, that would have been, see, that would have been more interesting than nothing at all. <laughs> nothing Fucking at Ned all. Flanders, yeah. Nothing at all. It was affecting many people in the room that night. And people watching it on television couldn't understand the seriousness of what was happening. I did not want to sacrifice our safety and health for the sake of entertainment. It was mostly influencing myself. Aaron and electronic engineer Gary Galka. What if your last name was Galka? Why would you name your child Gary? Uh, Gigi. <laughs> Gary Galka and renowned psychic medium Chris Fleming. In addition, other things were happening with the production itself that I felt were trying to prevent the box from being opened. This became apparent when Gary Galka and Chris Fleming began receiving very disturbing messages using different pieces of communication equipment. I believe the Dybbuk box distributed and disrupted everything that we were trying to do. And it worked. I made a very abrupt decision to end things with the box unopened. So, what the fuck, man? Do you know what I feel like? <laughs> what? I feel like he very much wants to be Ed and Lorraine Warren from the Conjuring movies, and he wants the Dybbuk box to be his animal. Yeah, that could be it. But there was another time that he opened it. I thought I had okay. written it down here, but I apparently didn't. He, during lockdown, during the pandemic at some stage, decided to open the Dybbuk box. That's a fair, like, that's fair enough. Like, nobody can come in, nobody can look at it. Yeah, he opened it during the pandemic and I'm like, dude, that's like the worst time to open it. And that's where it is now. Dybbuk box is still in Las Vegas. What do you think of it? The box itself is cool. I do like its history and I like that, like, I like... The metals around it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But the only thing is, has anyone, nobody's captured it doing anything. Like, there's no pictures. Yeah, like, that's... Is there, actually, I think I have seen one or two pictures of, like, shadow person behind Dybbuk box and shit like that. But See, the thing is, as well, there's so many duplicates, too. There's a lot to of people say. who copy the Dybbuk box. Looked up... So there's so many people who say they have a Dybbuk box, but it's not the Dybbuk box. Yeah, I looked this up before, like, the Dybbuk box itself, and there was, like, there was things there with writing on it, and I was like, I know that. That's exactly the writing from Supernatural that's around the fucking logo in, like, whatever <laughs> season. Yeah. And it's like, I seen another video then that was like opening Dybbuk box and inside was like a load of just random knickknacks. Like it was like shit yeah. you had in your pocket. There was belly button lint and shit in there. Ugh. It looked like belly button lint anyway. Yeah, honestly, like after reading the whole story and everything that's happened to everyone, I'm skeptical. I'm very skeptical. I would love to see it. I think if I actually got in front of the Dybbuk box and if I saw something myself, maybe. But uh, I, I don't know. I find it hard to believe. Let's go look at it. We definitely should, if we ever get the chance to. So what do you think? Do you think it's actually a cursed box? Or do you think this is just... Cause, because there is a few holes in the story too. I didn't look too much into the debunking of it, but there's a few people who claim that the older Polish woman never existed. That she, there was no, there's no record of her anywhere. There's a name to her, but I, I haven't got the name here. And the siblings of the first guy, Kevin, who had it, who were said to experience the same dreams of the old hag that he had experienced, they've come forward and said that they, they don't know anything about it. They never had those dreams. But Kevin reckons that the reason they're saying that is because there was, like, arguments in the family and now they're just doing it to make him look bad. I'd never... Uh, yeah, that just completely turned me off, Mr. Manis. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it kind of puts holes in the stories, which always tends to happen with cursed objects or pawned objects. What other big cursed objects are there? Uh, there's the Annabelle doll, there's the Robert doll. We covered the Robert doll before. Yeah, that blinking bitch. 
yeah i don't know there's cursed places and there's like family curses and stuff too like the kennedy family apparently is supposed to be cursed let's say we got robert and annabelle right mm-hmm. if you put them on a table yeah like what would happen like let's say i want to know like what happens if you have multiple cursed things trying to possess the one person like do they fight like godzilla versus kong or i don't know i assume they just join forces on their hellish crusade yeah but like annabelle is like a christian demon basically isn't she i don't know i don't know if they know what demon is in annabelle because there's names for demons isn't there aren't they all named why doesn't it just leave i don't know i always wonder that like you know the way people say the annabelle doll is like locked in this cabinet now what what's stopping the demon from leaving like i understand there is stuff on the cabinet or it's blessed or whatever to stop it getting out before that like (laughs) When the doll is being put into the case, you think the demon yo. would have been like, yo, I'm out. <laughs> Surely they have some bit, of, like, if it, they're so powerful and so scary, they have some bit of self-awareness. Or even, like, what if, like, demons, it's like, the stuff they did is scary, but it was scary, like, a hundred years ago. Like what? Like, we have horror movies now, like, if yeah. a demon just jumped out, like, came running out of a cupboard at you screaming, yeah, it'd be scary, but at the same time, you're like, that's very cliche. <laughs> Come on, do better. <laughs> oh, man, you gave me a little bit of a fright there. <laughs> <laughs> my heart Jesus did a whoopsie. Christ, I could have had a heart attack. <laughs> exactly. Like, what happens if you're just incredibly condescending? What if you're, it? like, half Not blind even... and it, like, jumps out at you and then you just, like, you know, you're like, whoa, where did you come out of? Yeah, that's all I have on the Dybbuk box. I really want the Dybbuk box to be cursed. I just want one thing to actually be cursed. <laughs> Me too, buddy. Me too. Do you know where there's all, like, hair, locks of hair and shit in there? Yeah. Like nowadays that's really associated with like oh you're burning someone's hair you're trying to curse them or it's got something evil to it whereas before it was like you couldn't send someone a nude selfie on snapchat you'd have to send them like a lock of your hair and shit my mom used to have like baby books from us when we were younger and it would have like locks of our hair in it from our first okay, haircut is anybody out there trying to curse Kaylee you know who to go to <laughs> it's probably Mowley in the attic somewhere <laughs> if it's your hair yeah <laughs> yeah so if you guys are enjoying the podcast please consider supporting us on Patreon so we can keep the podcast going and keep it ad-free. Uh, if you can't, there's no worries, but consider giving us a review or a follow wherever you listen to the podcast. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter for any of the updates. All right, thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.